Spirit. Lord, just meet every need in here. And Lord, if there's one that's not saved today, I pray that today Thy Holy Spirit would convince them of their need to be saved and to trust You. And God will thank You and praise You for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. In the passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul gives us a lot of things that can take away our persuasion in Christ. He says here, he said, uh, who, verse 35, shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he says, shall tribulation, can trouble do that? Sometimes as a Christian, we face pressures in life and we face problems in life. Do those persecutions, those tri tribulations persuade us that God is not true and real? What will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, the word distress here means squeezed in. Have you ever been squeezed in? You ever felt that squeeze before? Last time I tried to get on a roller coaster. <laughs> I felt like I was being squeezed in. Amen? I, I think they're making those seats smaller these days than they used to. And they put you in there and they put that seat down. And it's already tight, but it ain't good enough. They got to push in further, right? That's why I gave up roller coasters. Amen? But you felt squeezed in. You ever feel squeezed in in life? Paul said, can that separate us from the love of Christ? Being squeezed in. He also says here, persecution. If I get persecuted, can that separate me from the love of Christ? You know, I believe we're coming to a day in Christianity when we're going to face some persecution for our love for Christ. This old world is going to twist and become a place where good is looked at as evil and evil is looked at as good. And those that are doing good will be persecuted by those doing evil. And the Bible even says they will think that they do God's service by persecuting those that are doing right. But will persecution destroy us? By the way, if there were real persecution that came to you, real persecution for standing for the Lord, would you stand for the Lord? Someone once asked this question, a question this way. If you had to go to court to prove you were a Christian, would there be enough evidence to prove that you were a Christian? That's important. And I think in our life today, that persecution, and by the way, in Paul's day, there was persecution. Paul was stoned. He was beaten. Uh, he was kicked out. Um, they beat him three times with stripes. They, it was persecution. You know, I fear Christianity today is so soft and weak that if we were really persecuted, that the church could not and would not stand for Christ. 
But what, can persecution separate us from God? Can famine separate us from God? You know, sometimes a Christian does without their needs, but what if a real famine came? I believe a lot of us would look to God in heaven and say, God, you're not a good God anymore. You didn't give us food. And by the way, thank God for America because the grocery stores are still full. Amen? We still can meet our needs and, and all that, but what if there was real genuine famine? Could that separate us from the love of God? Peril. That word peril means danger. Dangers can dangers or the sword and, and, and that's talking about war. War is a horrible thing. But can war separate us from the love of God? He says also in verse 28, death. Can death cause us not to be persuaded? Or life can cause us not to be persuaded. You say, how does life cause us not to be persuaded of Christ? persuaded of Christ. Because life, if you live for life only and you leave God out, you will enjoy this life so much, but God will be left out. And when you die, you'll enter into an eternal hell forever and ever, away from God. Amen. You know, by the way, our society's getting to where you preach on hell and that's, they don't care. They, they're dull of hearing. I remember even as a little boy when my preacher would preach on hell, it'd scare the fire out of me. And he wasn't trying to scare me. He was just trying to present the truth of the Word of God. But the Word of God and the truth of the Word of God sometimes can be very scary. But can, uh, can death or life separate us from God? Then he even said angels. Can angels separate us from God? And he's talking about uh, angels, a messenger, but somebody who gives us a false message. I think there's a lot of people who've been tricked out of a walk with God or living with God, uh, loving God and being saved because a false message came to them. A false message. I want to tell you, there's no, there's no other message that's true in this world than this. This is the word of truth. Amen. You get rid of the old Bible. I want to tell you something. You're getting rid of truth. The Bible is still the same. It's never changed. Truth. Can principalities or powers or things present or things to come, height, depth, any other creature, can any of that separate us from the love of God? And here's the point that Paul was making is that he said, I am persuaded None of these things, not one of them, can take me away from God. I'm persuaded of it. I'm dead dog sure that it cannot move me. He said, I'm persuaded of it. I'm persuaded. I've got it settled down deep. Can I tell you something today? I'm persuaded that the Bible in the King James is the old-fashioned true Word of God. This is God's Word. It's true. It'll never change. And I know it's true because of the change it made in my life. Amen. That's how I know it's true. 
I'm persuaded that the Bible's the answer for the society today. You know, society's got a lot of false answers. I'm not persuaded in them. I'm persuaded that God's got the answers. God knows what he's doing. There's a, there's a God in heaven who has all the answers figured out. He put them in his word so that you and I can have them. I'm persuaded of that. I'm persuaded there's a real heaven and a real hell. I'm persuaded of it. I'm sure of it. You say, have you ever seen it? Haven't seen it with my eyes, but I've seen it with my heart. I know there's a true heaven, and I know I'm fully persuaded. I, by the way, I'm fully persuaded that there is a God. Amen? You know, our young people today don't really know that there's a real God. You go on college campuses, and the college campuses, and by the way, they are nothing but liberal seed beds today. You want to mess up your kid, just send them to a college, a, a public college. They'll get all kinds of false ideas and false teaching, and everything you've taught them in life, they'll grow up and reject it. The world seems to have the answers. Can I tell you, I'm persuaded that God made us. Amen. I'm persuaded that we are his creation. Amen. I'm persuaded of that. We're not some creation of some primordial bowl of soup. We didn't come from, uh, we didn't come from some big bang. That's the dumbest philosophy I've ever heard. Because they can never explain where the energy came from that created the big bang. And they just talk about the big bang happened. And where did all the matter come from? That caused the Big Bang to explode. Evolution only goes back so far, but the Bible goes back to the beginning. That's why I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded of truth. You know, uh, there is a lot of ideas about the fact that there's a God. Do you know there, I've, I'm persuaded there is a real God. I don't have to see him personally and physically to know he's there. I don't have to see him to know he's there. All I have to do is look around at the order and the design of nature. Amen. I can see God. You know, it's interesting. The water cycle, the water cycle, the clouds come over and drop the rain. They grow the plants by which we're fed. But also water evaporates and it goes back up into the clouds and the clouds move. And they spread water somewhere else and creates food in that place and in that, that region. Now, you can't tell me that evolution created that through random chaos. God has his hand on this earth in the water cycle. Our own bodies prove and show that there is a God. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting is when I take some bite of food, my brain has to tell my hands to do it. And it does it all too often, I have to admit. And uh, my brain tells my hand, grab that food. I take that food, it starts working together with my mouth, my jaw, and my teeth. They all contribute to me eating that food. My next friend is my esophagus. 
It goes down my esophagus and it ends up in my tummy. Amen? And from there it goes into my colon and all the, all the nutrients of the food go into the blood supply of my body. The blood supply goes into my heart. All the false uh, nutrients are filtered out to the liver and the kidneys. It's all taken care of and life is sustained. Now you tell me how evolution put all that together. You tell me. Evolution does not have the answers. Evolution is a rejection of God because they're not persuaded that there's a God. But I'm telling you what, I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded that someday we're going to leave this earth, I'm going to enter into a heaven. It's a real heaven. It's got streets of gold, gates of pearl. I'm persuaded of that. I'm also persuaded that the lost man one day will die and spend an eternity in hellfire forever. You say, preacher, that's not a very nice message. Oh, listen, I want to tell you something. Oftentimes the Bible says some are saved by fear, pulling them out of the fire. Some people are so hard-hearted or stuck in their way that you have to show them there is a real hell before they will understand and be persuaded that there is a real God. That's the truth. You know, some are saved by hellfire. A couple of my children have come to us and even in nighttime have a fear. God uses that fear even to teach them their necessity to be saved. That's scriptural. Some are saved by fear. I'm persuaded that there is a real hell. You know, our world likes to close their eyes to that fact. But isn't it sad that because they've closed their eyes to that that Bible fact, that one day they're going to open their eyes in that eternal hell where nothing dies, nothing but fire throughout all eternity, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. That's sad. But I'm persuaded it's true. That's why we preach the Word of God. Because only by the Word of God can men be delivered from an eternal hell forever and ever. I'm persuaded of that. I'm persuaded of that. Evolution's a lie because it's not even scientific. Science does not fit the word for evolution. Evolution is a theory. And it's a bad one at that. Evolution says you can have something from nothing. You can get life from nothing. How'd we all get here? Well, you see, nothing created something. Really? Is that science? No, that's foolishness. I'm persuaded God gave life. I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded that there is a God that gives life. You can't talk me out of it. You can't convert me to be an evolutionist by all their false theories. You know, I think evolution is really ridiculous because they come up with this supposed evidence and they present it to you as evidence and it's not evidence. It's a guess. And then 10 years later, they come up with more evidence that excluded their previous evidence 
and said their previous evidence was wrong, and now this evidence is right. Well, if their previous evidence was wrong, how do they know their evidence today is right? That's not something I'm going to be persuaded on. Oh, listen, I persuaded God. I know that day when I knelt and trusted Christ as my Savior, the living God, came in and moved into my soul, changed my life, gave me a purpose, put my feet upon a rock, established my goings. I persuaded, I persuaded that there's a God. Are you persuaded? Are you persuaded? Evolution has come up with a new theory about how uh, animals and mammals became mammals. We see evolution teaches we were all cold-blooded at once. Every one of us were cold-blooded at one time. And about 233 million years ago in the Triassic period, something happened to cold-blooded creatures. They say, and this is a new theory, okay? They say that the hair, a hair began to grow in the ear of cold, some cold-blooded creatures. And that hair stimulated the bones that cause the chemicals in the brain, and it makes the bones in the ear smaller because the viscosity, I'm telling you the truth, the viscosity of the chemicals going through your brain made it smaller. And that hair in your ear is what caused the temperature of the body to change. Now you tell me something. How can a cold-blooded creature change to become a warm-blooded creature? The whole circulatory system and how it operates and works has to be completely changed. And evolutionists even admit that this took a process of over a million years. <laughs> Think of that. Think of how ridiculous that is. Common sense can tell you that that doesn't make sense. First of all, because evolutionists cannot know the body temperature of a creature from 200 million years ago. You can't go to a creature 200 years ago and put a thermostat in his mouth, or a thermometer in his mouth, not a thermostat. You can't put a thermometer in his mouth and test his temperature. How do you know? Second problem with that is, is why do we still have cold-blooded creatures like snakes and lizards on the earth? Did, well, they probably want to grow little hairs in their ear, too. You know, who wants to walk around cold-blooded? You know, it's the same idea that we lost our tail because we didn't need it anymore. Do you know what? When I'm carrying groceries in the house, my hands are full. I could use a tail. Swing right around, grab that doorknob, open it up, carry my groceries in. I would love to have a tail. Wonderful. By the way, wouldn't a tail be great when you're driving down the road and your kids are misbehaving in the third row? You just swoop that tail back there and smack them around a little bit. 
Amen. Now sit still or you're going to get a, a tail lashing. Amen. I could use a tail, couldn't you? It'd be wonderful. Evolutionist says that, uh, by the way, if the hair in the ear can create the body temperature, that over a process of a million years can turn a cold-blooded creature into a warm-blooded creature, then can't you change back to a cold-blooded creature if you shave all your hair off? I mean, you see guys around, all around, you know, it's kind of a, a popular thing. If you got a little bit of hair up here, just shave it all off, right? How come those guys aren't turned into cold-blooded creatures? Yeah. See, evolution at best is ridiculous. But I'm persuaded that God created the heavens and the earth. All it took was his spoken word. He didn't have to go through millions and billions of years to do anything. He just spoke. And it was so. It happened. Oh, listen to me. Don't listen to the false ideas. As soon as they come up with some idea, they're going to contradict the idea that they previously came up with. And 10 years from now, they'll tell you that this theory was false and come up with a new idea. Can I tell you what? I'd rather serve God who doesn't change. I'd rather serve a God but truth can be persuaded. I can put my heart and my mind on him and I can be persuaded. I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded I'm going to live for God. That's the best kind of life I could ever live. I'm persuaded that going to church and living for the Lord faithfully and not living for this old world is where the best life could ever be. I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. You know, the prodigal son, he went into a far country. He, he was persuaded that that was the life. He went to a far country and he, he, just, he, he gave it all, he gave up everything he had, he lost everything he had, and wasted his life. And you know what? He had to come back to the Father one day before he realized what was good. See, he, was, he got persuaded by being out in this world that this world has no answers, but that there is a God who has all the answers in his word. I'm persuaded if I have a problem that it's in the book somewhere. I can find the answer to my problem in the book. I'm persuaded. I want to show you a man who was persuaded. Go back to chapter 4 of Romans with me. Go back to chapter 4 of Romans. Are you still with me? Romans chapter 4. The Bible talks about Abraham in Romans chapter number 4. Look at verse number 16. And notice what it says here. It says, therefore it is of faith that it might be of grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Notice the promise is sure, isn't it? Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead. And calleth those things which be not as though they were, whose hope 
uh, I'm sorry, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Notice verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. You see, Abraham didn't go through life doubting and wondered, wondering if God was going to do what he said he's going to do. Abraham was fully persuaded. He said, it's settled. God came to Abraham one day and he said, I will make you a father of many nations. I'll go through your seed to do it. We know that was Isaac. And it got all the way to the point where he was 99, almost 100 years old, and not had that child. And you know what? <laughs> he said, God's still good at his, at his promises. Amen. God's still good. Oh, listen, I don't know if I'd want to have a child when I'm 99 years old. Yeah. But all of a sudden, one day, and Sarah was 90. All of a sudden, one day, Sarah came home, and she said, look at what the test showed, Abraham. <laughs> Amen? Here it is. And he did what Titus did not too long ago. He said, no, that can't be true. <laughs> right? Here's the test. Abraham didn't say, he said, I knew it would happen. I knew it would happen. God promised it. Oh, listen, God doesn't always work on our time frame. But God always works his promises to fulfillment. Always. If God promised it, mark it down, it's going to happen. The Bible's full of promises. But are we fully persuaded that his word is true? There's never a man who chose to live by the Bible, but what he got to the end of his life and said, it's not true. It's not real. Never happens. Only by our faith and not staggering by our faith being strong in faith, putting our trust in believing in him and being fully persuaded that his word is true, his word is good, he'll never fail, he'll never falter. And if we're fully persuaded, God can take that persuasion and give us a wonderful life of faith, living for him, fully persuaded that God is God. What a blessing. Are you fully persuaded? Has some of those things that has doubt or tribulation or distress or persecution or famineness, famine or nakedness, peril, sword, has any of that ever influenced you to lose your persuasion? Don't let it cost you your persuasion. Just be persuaded in Christ. I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded that old-fashioned Bible preaching's the answer for our heart and our soul today. Oh, there's a lot of substitutes for it. 
But let me tell you something, it's still God's choice that He's chosen by the foolishness of preaching to save them which are lost. God takes His Word and saves the lost. I'm persuaded of it. I'm persuaded of it. Oh, I want to tell you something. I'm fully persuaded, like Abraham was. And you know, in verse 18, notice it says, Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope. <laughs> he said, everything was against me being persuaded. There was no hope that I should have, but I still hoped when there was no hope. That meant that he was fully persuaded that God would keep his word. I want to, I'm going to tell you something. If you raise your family following the principles of the word of God, you can be fully persuaded that they will do well. You live your life for God, not for this world. Let me tell you something, you won't be disappointed in the end. Fully persuaded. Reminds me of the three Hebrew children. They came to them and said, if you don't bow to the king, if you don't get on your face and fall to the king, we're going to throw you in a fiery furnace. Oh, they didn't know they were dealing with three men who were fully persuaded. They didn't know that. We're going to throw you in. In fact, let's heat it ten times hotter. And they got up and said, well, you can throw us in the fire if you want. But if our God, whom we serve, wants to deliver us from this fire, he's going to deliver us. <laughs> they knew God. They took those three men, threw them in the fiery furnace. Oh, wait a minute. There's a fourth man in that fire with them. There was the Son of God with them. And even the man who threw him in was burnt to a crisp. But that man, those three, when they came out, the Bible says their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. They were fully persuaded that there was a God in heaven. Oh, I wish, you know, I wish this whole world were persuaded of that. Oh, listen, all of our physical, all of our economic problems would be solved if we just got back to believing in God again. All of our problems in life, we just get back to believing in God, trusting in God, following His Word, fully persuaded. God will change things. God will do a wonderful thing. Our country needs to be fully persuaded again that there is a true God. And oh, didn't God keep His promise to Abraham? He said, I'll make you a father of many nations. <laughs> and there's Abraham, 99 years old, can hardly get around, hasn't seen much of anything happen. But against all hope, he was fully persuaded that God is real. Can I tell you something? Next time you face some problems, instead of giving up on God, why don't you get fully persuaded of God? The next time that old devil tries to tempt you, why don't you forget your temptation and be fully persuaded that God will see you through? The next time you lose all hope that anything good will come or lose hope that something that God has promised in his word will fail, hear me, why don't you give up the loss of hope like Abraham did and say, I'm fully persuaded that there is a God in heaven. 
And let me tell you something, God hasn't promised me that I would be the father of many nations. He never made that promise to me. He made it to Abraham. But you know what? God made promises to us. And I want you to look at verse number 23. Notice here, it says, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, for, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, <laughs> who was delivered for our offenses, and was raised again for our justification. God said he didn't just give full persuasion to Abraham. He gave it for us too. You say, how do you know I'm going to heaven? I just know it. I followed what the word of God said. And by faith, opened my heart, trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I believe that he rose from the dead for my sins. I believe that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. I'm fully persuaded. I'm fully persuaded. Somebody says, well, what if, uh, what if your persuasion isn't real? What if you die someday and find out it's not all real? I'll tell you, that won't happen. But let's say for some strange reason it did. Can I tell you what? I've sure lived a happy, happy, joyful, wonderful life of faith. But I want you to know I'm fully persuaded one day we're going to be with the Lord. Amen. Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Are you fully persuaded? Has God won you over yet? If not, there must be some false hope that's inside of you that is persuading you. And if that is true, then that false hope inside of you that is persuading you will someday leave you defeated and someday leave you empty. It will someday let you down. And the sad part about it is that people will spend eternity in hell believing in so many things, but they're not fully persuaded that he rose from the dead and that if they believed in him, he would save them from their sins. You know, a lot of people aren't, aren't, aren't persuaded of that. But if you're persuaded of it, God made that promise of heaven to you and I, through being fully, fully persuaded that God can see us through. God. May I tell you what? If you're lost here today, you don't know Christ as your Savior, religion cannot help you. Religion cannot help you. You must open your heart to Christ and trust Christ and be saved before it's eternally too late. You must. You must be persuaded that God is true and God is real. Oh, I want to tell you, I'm persuaded that nothing other than God's word is the truth. That's what we need to be persuaded about. Are you persuaded about it? Oh, can I tell you, there's a lot of people someday who are entering, walking down that narrow, broad road and the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7 that the broad road leads to destruction. And few there be that find the narrow road, the way of life everlasting. God said a few find it. And the reason only a few find it is because there's so many that are persuaded of other things, other mentalities other than God. 
Trust works if you want, but it won't get you to heaven. Trust baptism or communion won't get you to heaven. Trust even your own way, your own thinking, which is a popular thing today. That won't get you to heaven. That won't get you anywhere. What will get you to heaven is if you're fully persuaded that God can save your soul. You believe in him and you put your faith and trust in him and he will save you. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. And once you've been fully persuaded, God says just live for his word. Live for God. Serve him every day of your life. That's fully persuaded. Oh, listen, I want to tell you today, dispel any doubt, dispel any fear, dispel any satanic lies that he's given to you. Open your heart to God. Be fully persuaded that he is God in your life today. Let's bow our heads this morning. Let's close our eyes. Our heads are bowed this morning and our eyes are closed. I want to ask you, first of all, do you know you're saved?